Today of all days, a great day. We're talking about abilities and talents today. Uh, what a great day to think about that on a day when we welcome back to New England one who is uh, often referred to as the greatest of all time in his ability and talent, facing perhaps the greatest coach in all of the history of, of football. And I, I know many of you don't follow uh, the local sports ball teams, and that's fine. That's great. You'll get to bed earlier than the rest of us tonight, and you'll feel better tomorrow, I'm sure. Some of us kind of get sucked into these things, uh, myself included. But we are, we're talking about uh, what are the natural abilities that God has given you, and how can we use them to his glory? 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is, that's sort of the ultimate target, that whatever I end up doing, that I'm doing it for God's glory. So uh, we're talking about abilities. We're, we're working our way through this, um, this sermon series called SHAPE. It's an acronym. We're on the A. A is for abilities. And we're talking about how God has shaped us, how God has formed us to serve. Um, the first letter, the S, was spiritual gifts. Now, your natural abilities are different than your spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God's supernatural power given to you uh, when you put your faith in him, that each one... Uh, each one of his people is given at least some spiritual gift to use to love and to serve. Um, but God has also given you your natural abilities. And we also use those to love and to serve. So in a sense, your natural abilities are just as important to understand as your spiritual gifts. And so uh, what, what, what I want to do for you today, and again, these, there's overlap between some of these categories, but I want to give you a little bit more of an imagination to think about what might this look like in my life if I used my, just my abilities for God's glory. And so I want to consider two things today. One is first the danger of having, of being talented and having natural ability and also the great opportunity that this is. Oh, and the assumption that I'm working from is that you're talented, that you have abilities Um, you may think that you don't, but that's not true Um, to one extent or another. I mean, you have the ability to gather and to come here today, which is more than people who didn't come here today um, or gather in some way or another, that you have things that uh, uniquely you can do and that you can use for God's glory. Um, May not be to the extent of someone else or the type of uh, talent, but you have it and we want to use it to glorify God. Let's pray. God, as we approach your word, as we consider these things today, we, we do want you to be glorified. We do want to see you as you really are. And so may it be today that you just give us a, a bigger vision of what that is and what that looks like. Um, help us to be creative in how we consider our, our life and how we might go about and serve you, Lord. So we give you this time and we do give you ourselves. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. First of all, the the danger of our abilities and our talents. Uh, This is where we start here in in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So to give you some context, and I realize when we jump into the Bible, especially into the Old Testament, we're coming from very different places of understanding the context of where we're at. So essentially, God chose a nation of people, actually one man named Abraham, And God said, through you and through your descendants, and these people became the nation of Israel, 
He said, through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. I'm going to show my salvation and my blessing through you and your descendants. So uh, this, these people, these Israelites, they end up migrating to Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they became very numerous, but they became a slave class in Egypt. And God, through a leader named Moses, rescues them from this life of slavery and terrible oppression. And he rescues them out of Egypt. And he's bringing them to a good land that will be their land. And along the way, they, they, have, they rebel against God. The consequence of this is 40 years of wandering in the desert. But here we are. They are, 40 years later, they are poised to enter this special land that God is giving them. It's a good land where they can produce and, and live comfortably. And so they're right on the edge of this, but this is 40 years later. This is a whole new generation of people. So he has to re-explain God's law to them and retell the law. And that's really the whole book of Deuteronomy is, is this. And here Moses is giving them this sort of a pep talk. He's giving a, a speech before he goes into all of what the law is, the way that they are supposed to live as God's people. So that's where we come to today. And his message to them, in a nutshell, is that, look, when you go into this good land that God is giving you, don't forget God. Whatever you do, don't forget the one who brought you out of that land of slavery, the one who provided for you. Do not forget God. When you're enjoying all those good things, don't ignore his commands. Do not forget God. Look at verse 12. It says, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery. So it's easy. When, you have, when you're living well and you've got lots of stuff and you've got lots of silver and gold and herds and food, it's easy to become proud. And God hates pride. Actually, earlier this year we considered that. I actually preached a sermon. The title was God Hates Pride. Pride is an anti-God state of mind because God has given us everything that we have. When you see who God is as he really is, and you realize that every breath that you breathe, every heartbeat of your life is a gift from God, and you realize how amazing and holy and how awesome God is, you, you realize that you have nothing to be proud of in yourself and that all the glory should go to God. In every respect, he is greater than us. And we recognize, as, uh, as in the New Testament, the epistle James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from, the, from our Heavenly Father to us, that everything we have is His, and we give Him the glory. So we remember that it was, as in verse 15, it says, He led you through the wilderness. He brought you water. He gave you manna. And then the key verse here is 17 and 18, the key verses. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and strength, the strength of my hands, have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And we get that. Even today, if you're a person who works hard, and you've, you've, uh, you've done your education, and you've climbed through the ranks of your industry, or you've started a business, and you've, you've given yourself so much to it, and you've been successful when other people haven't. It is easy to feel proud. 
And say, yeah, I did that. And you look at, you look at other people who don't work as hard as you and who are lazy and who have cut corners and they're not successful. And you say, yeah, I am the one who worked hard. It was me. But verse 18, never forget, it is God who has given you every ability that you have to be productive and to work hard. Because the danger there is to just take the credit and to feel proud. The encouragement is to don't forget God and give him the glory. And that's where we have this. So if we, we recognize this danger, and for this group here, we just put that aside. We say, yes, we are a people who acknowledge God has given us everything we have. So now, what is the opportunity to know my abilities, to know my talents? Again, I, I may not have specialized talents like someone else has. There are people who seem like they got in line twice when God was giving out abilities and talents. Um, and quite honestly, in a church, there's certain talents and abilities that uh, showcase, that, we, that get displayed publicly. For example, if you're really good at music or if you play the cello like Nate playing the cello, if you're good at the cello like that, we put you in front of everybody and they can see your ability and it's a blessing to everybody kind of all at once. I think people who have uh, leadership ability, it gets displayed in a different way. I think people who are really good working with children and youth, there are so many opportunities to serve children and youth in the life of our church, that those things just are more visible. If you're good at cooking, there's a woman in our church who makes the best cookies on earth. And I know that because she gets to display that, and there's always leftovers right next to my office in the kitchen up there, and she makes the best cookies. And I won't embarrass her um, by saying her name, but she knows who she is because I tell her how amazing her skills are. At cookies, but there's certain. My point is, there's certain things that because we feed a lot of people and we we gather and eat food. There's certain skills and abilities that kind of are visible and shine. But that's just one. The the skills that you use inside this building and through the ministries and programs of this church. That's just one way to serve. So if you have those kind of skills, or if you just have a ton of time and you just volunteer for everything, you, you end up, people see you as being very gifted or talented, but it's just because you have a lot of time, and some people don't have a lot of time. But this is only one context in which you can serve. Beyond the walls of this church, we serve out with our mission partners all over the Merrimack Valley and beyond. So there's all kinds of ways and skills that can be used in those contexts as well that may not shine the same way as they would here. And then, even beyond that, there's just the front lines of your life. Um, there's the places that you work and where you live and in your neighborhood and in your schools. That these are places where you can use your abilities and your talents to God's glory. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not just here. I was talking to an, a friend, um, an old friend, he's moved away. And he, was ta- he started a, a business, and a, sort of a consulting business, and... It's going really well. He said, you know what? I have a lot of opportunities to share my faith and talk about spiritual things in the context of my business, which has nothing to do with faith or spirituality at all. And he's a person who has some ministry training. He, he actually went to seminary and was trained in, in ministry skills, but that's not what he's doing for work. He said, I have more opportunities now 
talking to people because his posture is, I'm just a guy who owns a business. And when he, he loves to talk about faith and spiritual things and people, he said, there's such a hunger out there. And when my posture isn't, you know, I'm an expert or I'm a missionary or I'm the, when your posture is, I'm just a guy who, who believes in these things, who, who uh, is exploring faith in Christ and it, it opens up doors. And he said he has more opportunities even in that kind of a setting to share his faith. There's all different places you can use it. So what are your abilities? What do you have? Well, you've got the stuff you were born with. And some people are just, and it's not all the same. We were all born with different talents and, and, and abilities. Some people are good with their hands. Some people are good with numbers. Some people are good listeners. Some people are very strong, physically strong. Some people are just born leaders. They just love to lead. Some people love to organize and manage. Other people are good with their words. They're good at writing or speaking. Some people are good looking. That's a gift of God that he's given you if you have gift of good looks. In, the, in your Bible, the book of Esther, this woman Esther, God used her powerfully to save a whole race of people. Her greatest skill was she was really good looking. That was it. She didn't do anything to become good-looking. She was born with that. And she received, you know, beauty treatments and stuff. But, you know, you got you to gotta start, start with a baseline of something that she did not do. She was born beautiful. These are all things um, that, that we just use for God's glory. So we just need to say, God, you've given me these abilities. You've given me these talents. How might I use them for you? And when we pray for our day, often we'll pray for the things we know are going to be challenging. So we say, God, oh, I know I have this challenging project I'm working on today. God, I've got these challenging people in my life or challenging roommate situation. Or I've got these things. But also, Lord, here's the skills and abilities that I'm going to use today that I'm going to be called on to use. Help me to do it excellently. Help me to know that you are God. Help me to give you glory. When I pray with my kids at the end of the day, you know, for all the, I pray for all the things they've learned, for their, their ability to learn new things every day, even in classes they don't like. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity, for the ability to do these things. So these are just your natural abilities. You're born with them. There's other abilities that you have that get cultivated. So perhaps your vocational abilities, I'll call them. So you got your natural abilities. Your vocational abilities may be related to your natural abilities, but you've got education, you've got work experience, you've got job skills that other people don't have because of the nature of the work that you do. And you've learned those, you've honed those skills over time. And so you can, any job skills you have, you can use them both in your place of work and beyond the walls of your work to glorify God. Within the walls of your work, what does it mean to be a, fill in the blank with your job, what does it mean to be a, you, who's a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a student who's a follower of Jesus, different than other students? What does it mean to be retired as a follower of Jesus? Or what does it mean to be a stay-at-home parent and a follower of Jesus? How is that different? And you don't have to have some amazing job or calling in life uh, to answer that question. I came across in this uh, little book 
by Mark Green, a story of a woman named Victoria, 19 years old. She's an apprentice hairdresser and was asked this question. So what difference does being a Christian make to the way you wash someone's hair? And I wonder what you might say if someone asked you that question about what you do every day. I wonder what you might say if you were a hairdresser. Victoria didn't miss a beat. I pray for them as I massage in the conditioner, she said. Victoria's praying is an invisible gift to her clients. Soothing conditioner for the soul, not just the hair. Still, behind her prayers lies a whole set of beliefs. Victoria believes that her daily contacts in in a hairdressing salon is important to God. And why shouldn't it be? Is Is it not the case that the earth is the Lord and everything in it, as Psalm 24 says? She believes that the actual work she does is important to God. That the work itself can be done in a distinctive way. The actual massaging into the conditioner, kneading into the scalp, learning what level of pressure is both effective and relaxing for each individual uniquely, uh, uniquely created in the image of God, uh, client of hers. No doubt, Paul the Apostle and a tent maker himself who wrote to the slaves in Colossae and encouraged them to do whatever they did as if working for the Lord would have been cheering her on. That, that's the vision. That's the idea. I can do my work so excellently that it brings God glory, even the simplest task. Uh, and then you can actually take that from your place of work back into the church or back into a ministry setting. So it's kind of like frontline ministry, but in reverse. Often we talk about how we equip ourselves here to go to our front lines. But there's things that you're learning on your front lines that you can then use back in the context of, uh, of a, even a church program or something. So it's all, we use it everywhere. One of these vocational gifts specifically, and it was specifically mentioned in the passage that we read, was the ability to produce wealth. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Wealth. Some people are just good at making money. They're good at running businesses. They're good at making deals or sales. They're just good at reaping profit. If that is you, that is fantastic. Give God all the glory. God has given you the ability to do that. Use it for his glory, to be generous. Use it to bless others. Use it to to build others up and to give God all the credit and all the glory. In the Bible, there's plenty of wealthy people. I mentioned Abraham earlier. Abraham was very wealthy. He had many herds and and a huge, uh, huge family. There was kings like David and Solomon who were immensely wealthy. In the New Testament, this woman Lydia, who was a business owner, she was able to open up her home uh, for the Christians to gather in. It was God gives people the ability to produce wealth, and that is a good and a beautiful thing. We use it for God's glory. Those are your vocational abilities. So you got your natural ability, you were born with it. Vocational ability, you kind of honed it. There's also your recreational abilities. Some people like to run or to bike or go fishing. Or Have you ever considered that those are abilities that you have to give glory to God? My uh, predecessor and good friend, Pastor Jack, in the late 70s, he started the Flannel Shirt Fellowship. Him and his fishing buddies 
decided that they were going to use their hobby of going fishing to draw in other men who otherwise weren't connecting at church or um, just needed encouragement or mentoring. And for years and years, and actually they still do gather, and they invite people in just to go fishing and they have a good time, but they do it for God's glory. For me, my latest recreational hobby is, uh, is it's cornhole. I like throwing cornhole. This is where adults throw bean bags into a wooden board with the hole cut in it. I do that. I'm a little embarrassed by that because I know someday I have to stand before the Lord. And he'll say, I gave you so many years on this earth and you used your time to gather with other adults on a Monday night in a league to throw bean bags into a wooden board with a hole cut in it. Say, yes, Lord. I, yeah, I did. And that's what I do on Mondays. Monday nights. Um, I could go on and on uh, about cornhole. The, but, Mike, but what, and it's a beautiful game, but the question is, Lord, how can I use this to connect with other people who are never going to step foot, or who I may never think would step foot in our church, to, uh, just to, to make new friends and, to, and just to recreate. We need to recreate. Even, our, even some silly hobbies, um, God creates, we recreate, we recreate. We are reflecting God's creative goodness when we just relax, when we just do things that are fun and enjoyable, that where we just get away from the grind of work and of, of the day-to-day thing and you can just relax. That's a good and beautiful thing. Recreation is good. But how do we use those things and, and understand where God's at work? There was a woman, I uh, heard her story recently, she was into beading. So she would put beads and make jewelry, uh, necklaces, bracelets out of, out of stringing glass beads together. And so she just did this for her own fun and, and for her own benefit. And uh, then her church, they were sending a mission trip to Uganda. And she thought, well, maybe I could sell some of my crafts and raise money for this team that's going on this mission trip. But she has no idea what her stuff is worth. So she had a friend who had retail experience, looked at her jewelry that she was making, this bead craft, and said, that stuff's good. You can make some money on that. And she did. She sold a bunch of it and made a bunch of money for this this mission trip team. But her friend's husband worked at a prison. And he was in charge of the activities at a women's prison, enrichment activities for them, and said, hey, you're really good at this bead beading, making stuff out of beads. What do you call it? Beading. Beading. You're good at beading. Would you come and do this at the prison? And the woman was horrified. She's seen enough television and movies to say, I don't think I want to hang out in a prison. But prays about it, goes to the prison, and starts a beading class for these women at the prison, and it's transformative. They're just enjoying it and learning a new skill and making beautiful things in a really difficult context, such that the prison guards were bringing the, the most sort of difficult cases to her to, to, for her to care for them and to teach them this skill, and they're making these wonderful things. And it changed, essentially changed the whole culture of this prison. Just, but for her, she's like, I'm just a middle-aged, middle-class woman who likes to make things out of glass beads. And it became this beautiful thing for God's glory. Whether it's you're born with it, whether it's something you're cultivating and you've learned a lot about in your life, or just for fun, these are all things we use for God's glory. Our faith 
particularly as followers of Jesus, is uniquely based on God's grace alone. When we understand that God's work through all history, even this man Abraham, who he chose, he chose Abraham, why? What did Abraham do? Nothing. God said, I'm choosing you because I choose you and I want to display my glory. And, and through this family, he said, I'm going to send my anointed one, my Messiah, to come and to, uh, to, to save and rescue this whole broken world. And that's Jesus. And Jesus comes. And Jesus accomplishes on the cross what we could never accomplish. And we realize that everything that we, that we didn't earn our salvation, we didn't earn God's favor, and most other faith systems in this world and even some expressions of Christianity, quite honestly, are all about how do I do the right thing for God? How do I get God's favor? And we realize you cannot earn God's favor. It is his free gift to you. Everything that, your, your very life and your salvation and everything that you have is all because of him. We uniquely are people who accept God's grace. And when I realize that all that I have is from God, I then return to him what he's given me by serving others, by using it to the best of my ability to love and to give him the glory. It was once said, the difference between an ordinary day and an extraordinary day is not so much what you do, but who you do it for. Let us pray. Father, I pray that we would be a people as we go about our lives as we accomplish good things that we would never forget you. We would never forget that you have given us everything we have and that we would be a people who are quick to return to you all the glory. God, continue to give us a bigger imagination. Continue to give us a bigger vision of how we might use all the ways that you have shaped us to serve you, to love others and that you'd be glorified. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.